Hey, we're going to have fun today. We're going to have a good time. I got a, uh, I got a, I got a couple of stories that I want to tell you because that's how I preach, and uh, and and I got a couple of stories. But I'm, I'm just believing that God is going to do something very powerful. He already has in a couple of our services already, but I believe God's going to do something very powerful in your life. I hope you came expecting, expecting that. Um, I'm going to have different kind of learners. I am more of an experiential learner. Uh, there are some people who can go through a what we consider a, uh, a, a regular class and, and learn. You, you sit and you read a book and you study. You hear, maybe hear a lecture about a subject and, and you, you actually learn. You learn enough to take a test and you pass a test and, and that's good. I'm just, I'm just not cut out like that. I'm not a regular classroom learner. How many, how many classroom learners? It's okay if you are. There's no good or bad. How many classroom learners are there? You love a good class. You love to open, crack open a book. Good. How many experiential learners are there that you need a life experience? Mostly you need to try and fail and learn from that, and, and it's okay. I mean, you're learning from that. Sometimes we learn through successes. Sometimes we learn through failures, but, uh, but there's different types of learning. I appreciate some of the new, uh, new uh, ways and strategies for teaching. I know my, I went through uh, looking at colleges for my two boys uh, here in the past few years, and, and I found out that their colleges are offering a, a lot more experiential learning opportunities. In fact, you can go to one of our local universities, one of our state universities, and actually go to another country and still attend our local state university and, and be educated and learn a different culture, a different language, and be in the midst of some, something thousands of miles away but still learn the same curriculum and material that they're learning here in the U.S. And I thought, what a great way to learn. I know that we can do that through missions. I've seen that. Some of our uh, students have gone to uh, the foreign mission field to learn and to, and to grow, and that's a different option and opportunity, and, and, and I've seen the value of that, especially for those who learn through experiences. And so there's not a good or bad way, and, and I, just, I just learn that way. That's just the way that I have learned the best. And so, you know, one of the, one of the greatest things that I've learned is through parenthood. And I'll never forget when my boy was old enough, my oldest son was old enough to play uh, t-ball and, and baseball. And I was like, you know, this is, this is going to be very natural for me because I love the game of baseball. In fact, when I got too old to play baseball, uh, I found out that there was this cool thing called softball. And the ball was bigger, and they threw it. Uh, slower, and so I could hit it better. You know what I'm saying? And so there, there was this new opportunity for me, so I could stay involved in that. You know, but I wanted, I always wanted my 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 boys to to play ball because I just thought it was very natural. I played, so they're going to play, and it's going to be all good. And so they started into what they call pre-t-ball. Now, this was new for me. I'd never been in pre-t-ball, but my son was about four or five years of age, and that's when I started, so that's when I let him start playing baseball. And so we started in, and I was trying to, I was coaching, I was, I was all in, and, and wanted, to, wanted to practice my, my team, and I got my team together, and, and they, the 
I said, when do we have a practice schedule? Oh, we don't have a practice schedule. Uh, we just learn through the game. I'm like, how, how are my team going to be prepared if we don't have some practices out there? I need to be drilling some ground balls at these little kids, you know? They need to learn through experience, but they were going to learn through a game. And I said, okay, okay, this is new, but I'll do that. So we, I, did, I had a team meeting with my team and their parents and gave out the uniforms and, and uh, found out that I had a little girl on my team, and that's, that's cool. I never had girls on my team, but what, that's cool. You know, that's cool. It's a new way to do it. We have girls and guys mixed together on the same team. I can play with that. All right, we can do, we can, we can do this. And I remember my son when he was there, I was like, this is going to be so awesome, you know, because my son's going to be good, and, uh, and because I was good, and uh, he's just going to play, and, and this is going to be a great experience. I, I, there's only a couple times that I've ever had a panic attack, or close to a panic attack in my life. One time had to do with, a, when I was youth pastoring, I took a, a youth group on a rafting trip, and I got caught, the, the raft turned over on us, I got caught under the raft, I was flo- floating down the stream in the rapids, and, and I grabbed onto a, a limb that was hanging over to a bank, I mean, I was really in trouble, I really felt, I, I was panicking, and it got worse when these people who were on the bank started rushing towards me to save my life. And I was holding on to this limb, and the rapids were pulling off my swim trunks. <laughs> I, this is no lie. I was like, I'm, uh, all right, I'm, I'm in a life-or-death situation here. <coughs> I had to make a choice. And so I made it. I let go of the limb, and I just floated down, I floated down with the rapids. I was like, I'm not going to uh, live with naked, okay, all right, I'm just not, I'm just not going to do that, I'm going to die with my shorts on, okay, and so uh, that was one, one panic attack, the second happened the first time my son hit a, hit a baseball, and I put it on the tee, and he, he hit it, he hit it right off the tee, and started running, and, and I guess I never looked at him when he ran, but he starts taking off, and his arms start flailing, and he starts running, and his arms go straight up, and he's running like this. I'm like, no, we don't run like that. We put our arms down, and we run. I thought that was a natural thing, but he was flailing around, and I, I like, stopped him on first. I'm like, son, we can't do that. We can't ever, ever do that again, all right? I don't care if you put those hands in your pocket, all right? They are not, they are not flailing around like you're going nuts. But this little girl who was on our team, this was another, another special project. She was there. She did not want to be there. Her mom wanted her there. And she was there, and she was sweet. She was fine, but had zero athleticism in her body, nor even any consideration for a competitive spirit. I mean, she was there chilling. (laughs) I mean, she just looked around, had no interest in what I was teaching, what I was selling. She was not buying, all right? And so our first game came up, and her mom catches me before she, she was the last one to come, and I was waiting on the team, and trying to get her, I'm a batting order ready, and, and since she's the last one, I put her last, and, and she came up, and she said, her mom said, Coach Kip, I'm so sorry. I said, it's okay, you know, we're, we're in time, you know, they haven't, we haven't started the game. You're, she said, no, 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 that's not what I'm sorry about. She said, I'm just so sorry. 
And I was like, what has gone wrong, you know? And she pulls her little daughter out, and her daughter has no ball cap. She's got these ribbons, these big ribbons flowing down out of her hair. She does have her jersey on and her ball pants, but she's got these big blue rain boots on with sunflowers. And she said, Coach Kip, she would not come. I bought her some cleats, but she had to wear these rain boots. I'm telling you, it was 95 degrees, and the sun was baking out there, and she had to wear these rain boots. So she played her first ball game in these rain boots and ribbons, and this was, this was just who she was. And so she got up to bat. Everybody had, had hit. I learned a few things. It was like an, pre-T-ball is like an indoctrinization on new age, the new age of parenting. I mean, I just got thrown in. I mean, I learned things like everybody hits and there's no outs, all right? I learned things like losers get trophies. I was like, okay, okay, I'll play that. Losers get trophies. Y'all, there, there's no reaction out here because y'all have all been indoctrinated and everybody gets a trophy, all right? There's no reaction anymore. That used to be a, a, a something to us, all right? If you win, you get a trophy. But this little girl was last to hit, and it's imp- this story is so important. This girl was last to hit, and I so wanted her to get a hit. And so you don't get pitches in pre-tee ball. You just put it on the tee, and they knock it off, and that's the way it goes. Well, this girl had issues with that. All right, I put it on the tee, she got her bat, and she just hit the tee, and the ball went flopping off. And so I, I took it up, that would, I, knew, I knew rules, I knew rules, that's strike one, okay? I put the ball up, and I was like, be careful, all right? You want to hit this little spot on the ball, like it's a fly, just swat that fly and just hit that ball, and just, it doesn't matter how hard you swing, it'll go far enough where you can run. So she looked at it and was really intent and just swung and missed. She didn't care. She didn't care. I cared. All right? I cared. And I, I was like, okay, you got one more shot at this. Okay? You got one more shot. Just make sure you hit the ball, and it's going to be okay. And so I put it back on there. She swung and missed. And I, I'm an encourager, so I was thinking to myself, you know, how am I going to help this girl out? You know, she got out, and, and I'm walking to her walking her to the dugout, you know, and I take her away, and I'm being real sweet with her. She didn't care, but I was trying to be sweet with her. And the, I guess you could call him an umpire, but if there's no rules, I don't guess you have an umpire. But the guy who was in charge of the game looked at me, and he said, let her hit the ball. I was like, okay, three strikes are out, but I'll play by your rules. So I, I grabbed the ball, put it back on the tee, she swings and misses. She swings and hits the tee. I mean, a dozen times I put that ball on the tee, and I started getting into this. I mean, the fans started wanting her to hit this ball. You know, everybody wanted to hit that ball except her. All right, so we just keep putting it up there, and, and she's going to hit this ball. Well, the, the rule is, and the last person who hits on the team gets to run all the way around the bases. All right? And so she finally hits this ball, knocks it about, 
four feet off the tee. Well, I'm pumped up. I tried to get her going to first base. She didn't know which way to run. So I, I kind of kind of, kind of uh, help her along to first base, and she gets to run all the way around the bases in these ribbons and rain boots, and she's just going around, and she gets to go all the way home. Her parents are loving it, and, and you know, everybody's just happy, happy that she made it. And I thought, this is one of the greatest lessons, spiritual lessons that I have ever learned in my life. Because it doesn't matter what you think the rules are or how many times that you think you have failed your family, your community, your boss, or your, or your God. It doesn't matter how many times you think you have failed, that you have counted yourself out, and you think you've struck out. God always is the guy who puts the ball back on the tee. And he said, just take one more swing. Just take one more swing. I mean, if you don't understand the grace of God, you understand that his rules are totally different. And when Parker says he is the God that has unfailing love, he is a God that has unfailing love and unlimited chances. There is nothing you can do to take yourself out of the hand of God. Once you put yourself in the hand of God, you cannot get out of it. Oh, but I can make decisions. I can turn my back on the Lord, and I can go my separate way. I'm telling you, you will get 10 feet away, and you'll understand that there is no way like God's way. There is no feeling like God's feeling. There is no reason like God's reason, and he keeps giving us ch chances after chances. And so I just want to encourage you today. I have a lot to tell you. I don't have a lot to teach you. Because, you are, I mean, we're, we're in the Bible Belt. There is so much spiritual food that you can dig, eat and dig into, and you can get as deep as you want to get. You can listen to as many speakers and many teachers as you want to listen to. But Paul, I, th I, think, I think, said it best. He was like, and Paul was a scholar. He was raised, and even before he gave his life to Christ, he was raised in the Scripture. And he said, I didn't come to you with enticing words. I didn't come to you with man's wisdom. He said, I could have, but I didn't. He said, I chose to come with you with simplicity so that you could experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's all I want you to do. I want you to take this day and I want you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and understand that He has given you chance after chance after chance, and He is looking at this chance as the one that you hit the ball. He, he doesn't look at it at all your failures and all your inconsistencies. He looks at you like the, the, the potential that He sees at this swing, at this moment, at this time. There is a story in the scripture that I've never really dedicated a, a whole sermon to uh, for the mere fact of I really didn't think it was, I, th I thought it was really too elementary for it to, to do a whole sermon on it. And it's a story of Zacchaeus. And I thought it made a great uh, Sunday school song. I thought it made a great Sunday school song. And it was very relative to the little children. And that's okay. I mean, a lot of the scripture is dedicated to children, and we should have faith like a child. And I, 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 like, I, I cast that in that same net. And I was like, he's short. Kids are short. We'll all get this. We'll, we'll get this. 
He climbed up in a tree. The kids know how to climb up in a tree. We all get this. We understand the story of Zacchaeus trying to find and trying to look at Jesus. But I want, it, I want us to look at it like it really was. This was not a little kid who was shorter than the other children. This was not a, 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 a story, a, a fictional, fictitious story that represented uh, childlike faith. It wasn't any of that. This was a man, a real man, and he was despised in his community. He was hated. When he says he was a tax collector, it just, it just inferred that he was a, a, just hated in his community because he was a neighbor. He was a, a, a friend in the community that was turned on his people. He was hired by the Romans. It wasn't the Romans who were collecting the taxes in that community. It was him, their neighbor. And so he was despised. He was hated. He was ridiculed probably uh, for more than just being a tax collector. And in fact, he was, he was kind of short, so he might have got ridiculed for that. We might have, you might have a, what you consider a, 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 a structural deficiency. You may be a little bit chubbier than everybody else or... And there's no, there's just no perfect uh, people. What we see in Hollywood and on pictures, it's just all fictitious and, and just relative to what somebody thinks is a perfect person. We all have, we all look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I wish I, I was different, a little bit different. Well, Zacchaeus was shorter. The Bible says he was shorter than everybody else. And he was, and he was, he was a tax collector. And, and what, I, what I consider this is probably had a family and the thing, the thing is, you know, his family had to go through the shame that he brought home every day. And I thought, how, how perfect is this? This is me. Because I remember many days that I came home and I, I understood that I let God down or I, I let my, 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 my church down or my community down. And I know I brought that home to my family and I brought shame into my home that my children and my wife had to walk through, but it wasn't even their fault. And I started thinking of Zacchaeus' wife, if he even stayed married, his children that had to go to school or had to see their peers and understand that everybody hated them. Everybody couldn't stand them, and it was nothing that they did. And I thought, what a weight to carry for somebody who had, done, who had spent a life of doing people wrong, doing bad deals, getting rich off of their poverty, and be, having the ridicule of, 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 of being short in stature. He could not, what could he be proud of when he went home? And I thought to myself, how many times was I, was I so embarrassed to come into my house and I felt like I let my family down and I put on a mask and I put on a mask and tried to be somebody that I wasn't to my family and tried to put rules down that I wasn't even abiding by in my own life. And I think what a miserable life Zacchaeus really had. And probably when he went to heard stories of Jesus, it might have been that he just wanted to hear some good news. That he wanted, he, he felt like Jesus might have treated people that Others didn't look on well like a leper or someone, a prostitute. And they, he heard, he looked at them different and he talked to them different and he spoke to them. I kind of feel like this is where Zacchaeus was coming from. 
that he felt like he just needed somebody that believed in him. Somebody that would encourage him. Maybe he just wanted to see Jesus be, be, uh, be nice to someone who wasn't well thought of. Maybe he wasn't even trying to get him to talk to him. But he just wanted to see the difference. What did it look like? And he made a decision. His decision, as we know from the story, was that he would leave his house. Jesus was going to pass by a certain way that he heard. There was going to be a crowd of people, and the Bible says that he could not see over these people. In the scriptures in Luke 19, it tells the story, and it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. And when I, when I thought about this scripture and, and thought about his life, you know, being a tax collector in that region, he probably wasn't implanted from somewhere. And we know he wasn't Roman. And, and so he was probably from that area, probably knew the area well, and probably had seen that tree. If he grew up there, maybe hundreds and thousands, maybe even ten thousands of times, if he walked past that tree on a daily basis. And so he was, uh, we, don't, we don't know all the difficulties, but we could assume some things. We could assume that when he was a kid, you know, if he was living in that area, he knew exactly where that tree was. Maybe he had even climbed that tree. He had knowledge of that tree. He, he knew that he could climb it. He knew that it was high enough. It grew high enough where he could see over the crowd. He had to walk through some difficulties, some things that he was, uh, some challenges that he already knew about himself, that people didn't like him, and he was going to the crowd of people who didn't like him. He was going to be rejected, probably rejected one more time by a person he heard about, but, but probably had no confidence that he would even accept him of who he was because he had sinned so much. And he had difficulties because of his stature, and he couldn't even see over the people. And he said, I'm, I'm putting myself in this tree and people are going to laugh at me. I mean, that's just part of it. They know I'm short. They know why I'm up in the tree and they know who I am. And a lot of times that is keeping us from taking a step in the right direction that God wants us to take. Is that we don't want to walk through anything uncomfortable, especially in America. We refuse to walk through an uncomfortable situation to get to the place where Jesus wants us to be. And Zacchaeus made this decision, and it wasn't an easy decision. I don't want you to think, well, he knew the end of the story. He knew that Jesus was going to end up in his house and pick him out of the crowd and, and, and choose him to go eat with. He didn't know the end of the story. All he knew was the rejection that he had seen all his life. And so, but he made this decision. This was his decision. We got to understand that um, everything that happens in our life, everything that is going on, is not just God just moving us like chess pieces. 
He's not just taking our life and just putting us exactly where we would be if we decided or not. He is, we are different. That's why our praises mean more to him, because we can choose to praise him, or we can choose not to. This was Zacchaeus' decision. Jesus was not going to change his schedule and go to his house. He was allowing Zacchaeus to make the choice. And it's an important choice. Sometimes we take for granted that we come to church. Sometimes we take for granted what that means in our life. But if you only knew how Jesus approached every time you came to worship him, or every time you made a decision to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the scriptures today. Every time you made a decision to just say, I'm, I'm going to try to pray. It doesn't mean you're doing it perfectly. It just means you're making that choice and making that decision. If you just knew, the Bible describes it like this. He said, if you'll draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. We, we, we take that as 50-50. If you'll do this, I'll do this. That's not how God does things. He said, if you will just make that initial decision and just take a step towards me, you will never, ever, ever regret that decision. I will come and I will envelop you and I will guard you. When we put our lives in the hand of God and just make that choice, you don't understand how God just, just puts everything, everything that he has in heaven is at our disposal. Every kind of healing that we would need, every kind of, every kind of uh, comfort that we would need, he gives us his only Holy Spirit to live inside of us if we just make that, just that initial belief and say, God, I believe you. This is all Zacchaeus did. This is all he did. And in Psalms 37, it says this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they may stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. You may have read it like this growing up in the translation that I grew up with. It says, the steps of a righteous man or the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means to me that that was Zacchaeus' decision. It was his choice. But once he took a step toward that tree, those were God's steps. And you can say, well, he wasn't a good man. Who in this room is a good man? Who is a good woman? Who would qualify? Who would stand in front of God and say, I'm a, I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. There's none of us. I'll talk to you all. I know you are very humble people, and, and you understand that up to a righteous God, we are not good. And so that disqualifies us. And surely Zacchaeus felt disqualified. And he probably didn't feel like it was God leading him to that tree. He just wanted to check Jesus out. He just knew that something was different in somebody's life, and maybe he needed something different. And a lot of you are sitting in this room and feel like you need a different family. Do you need a different life? Something needs, a miracle needs to happen inside of your home. And you say, I've been to church before. 
I've prayed before, I've read the scripture before, and you felt like that little girl who just could not hit the ball. And God is saying, you got one more shot, just keep going. If you just look for me today, you'll find me today. Today's an important day for somebody in this room. I, I just felt like that all, all week that somebody in this room feel, will feel like all I need to do is find Jesus because I need a change. My home needs a change. My marriage needs a change. When I say the word marriage, some of you, it makes your skin crawl just a little bit because you know what your marriage looks like. It's not good, and it's not righteous, and it's not godly, and you think it's over. But God, when you put that, start putting, make a decision and put that marriage in God's hand, you take a step towards Him, He's going to create a miracle inside of that marriage. It's going to work. Not because you did anything, but because God, we, because God did it. It's not your steps. The decision was to go to this tree. And so it was a specifically a sycamore tree. And when I, when I learned about, I don't know what the people who uh, studies trees are called, but they, they really are people, and they really do study trees. And what I found out from them is the sycamore tree is like one of the four trees that they feel like were, uh, were here before man ever came onto the earth was created that these sycamore trees were here the oldest trees and 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 I got to thinking about that and, and what what Zacchaeus was doing was going to a very familiar tree a very one that he passed for years maybe all his life and knew all about knew how it grew and knew how big it was knew where it was exactly and that was going to be a great spot but he was not the one who created that spot he was not the one who created that tree you see, God knew before the foundations of the earth where that tree was going to be. He had planted a sycamore tree before man was created. And that tree would grow up and die, and it would lead seeds, and it would grow up to a sycamore tree and die. And, and generation after generation, these trees would grow up and die until that one seed grew into that one tree that he knew was going to change Zacchaeus, his son, life forever. And even though Zacchaeus was there, and he went to meet Jesus, and, and he, he thought he had made this whole thing happen, Jesus came to him, and he said, listen, this is my spot. I'm coming to your house. I'm going home with you. I've chosen you out of all these people, and I'm going to your house because your house needs salvation. I'm going to bring salvation into that house, and I'm going to be, bring change, and I'm going to restore. And where there was shame, I'm going to bring pride into your home. And where there was, where there was an insignificant uh, family, it's going to be very significant, not with money, but with pride and with, with a spiritual wholeness inside of this home. It wasn't Zacchaeus' steps at all. It was God's steps that made all the difference. I want you to understand. I want you to understand today that you did not choose God. You made a decision one day to follow Him. Maybe, maybe that's today. Maybe you make that decision today. But that's not, that's not a, your, your choice. It's your decision. But when you start walking towards God, He chooses you. He said, you've not chosen me. I have chosen you. I picked you out. 
I picked you out. This, is, this was the goal. This was the plan for your marriage. Not that you wandered and, 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 and hoped and, and dreamed of one day having a, a, a fulfilled life or healing in your body. It's that you made a decision to come out to see Jesus. He makes the decision to bring healing to your house.